We hope all danger may be overcome, but to conclude that no danger may ever arise would itself be extremely dangerous. Hello and welcome to episode 154 of Under the Call of MS. It's a little quote by Abraham Lincoln. Now, a lot of times I forget to mention who the quotes are from and stuff, but not mine usually. <laughs> usually from someone else. But. Today, for Comic Talk, I did a deep dive on Danger Girl. Had a nice little stack of them, so I figured I'd check them out. And in this, I started out with the special, which is a flip book. Yeah, two separate stories, a jungle story on one side. Or the character, you get a nice little introduction to some of the characters starting out. Yeah, the young uh, computer whiz style character that hangs back at the home base and gets as much information for the girls as possible. And then you have a new girl being introduced to the group. Yeah, find out about the other girls and guy that sets them up with jobs and stuff like that and keeps them keeps in contact and helping them out and basically controlling the equipment, flying the ships or whatever need to be dispersed to the girls at certain times. Other story and the one that introduces you to a lot of the characters is the jungle story. And then when you flip it over, the other story is kind of like a parody style story. Or like the cover says, the mod bods with the three gals sitting there posing. Uh, and it goes into a lot of little parody situations. Uh, like boob, boob vehicles and Things like that, a lot of stuff that wouldn't fly in today's culture because people would be shutting it down, probably. <laughs> but they joke about things. They do a lot of things that remind you, basically, of Charlie's Angels, uh, fun days of... 007 when it still had some comedy to it, things like that. And that's where you get get more of a 007 feel when you get into the regular run run of Danger Girl. I read the first, well, I think it's all seven issues. I don't know if it goes on beyond that or not. With the ongoing run back in the 90s, saying this is 97. But uh, it's fun seeing the girls getting used to working together and seeing how the new gal works out. And if you get uh, your basic evil bad guy, 007 style bad guy type spy thriller character. Uh, in here you got the... Goofy tech guy that has all kinds of knowledge and he's just always doing something 
strange or useless. <laughs> but he pops up whenever need be and helps helps the girls out with what he can. You see see him get into lots of little danger situ- dangerous situations throughout these. Uh, yeah, your little Nazi conspiracies, your evil madman that's just a little guy and he's got all those big brutes around him, of course, that do all his evil doings and anything he says. Uh, it's a lot. I mean, it it plays so much off early 007s and stuff to live and let live. Uh, they get into like the skiing bases in the winter winter areas. Uh, you get into the evil madman castle style uh, situations. You get the they have to hunt down throughout this. They're trying to find this shield. A helmet and a sword that when a person gets them all together, they get these mythical powers or these spiritual powers or however you want to say it. But, uh, yeah, the, the like Nazi characters hunting for this thing, you have other people trying to find these items and the danger girls. Find them in every time. It's the basics, Tomb Raider style thing and storyline where as soon as they find an item, of course, everybody else appears and they all fight for the item. And certain people get one item and another group gets another item. They, all the items get separated and they're all trying to put them all together and see what these things will do once you get the get them all together and what great powers you're going to get out of it there is like a super nazi character in here like oversized ape style uh kind of like i don't know he's got red eyes and stuff so you think he's like an ai unit or something to that effect but he He's basically like a giant robotic style character. And then the madman, the one madman, the Nazi madman, he's like all Frankenstein together. And it's like, it's a, if you like 007, uh, you'll enjoy this. If you liked Charlie's Angels style things, you'll enjoy this. If you like the, Good-looking spy adventures. You'll enjoy these. I also checked out Danger Girl Kamikaze issue one and two. That was a fun little team-up. And it's... Yeah, it's... I did not... When I started it, I was thinking, eh, it's going to get all sexist, and that's not going to really be into it. But it ended up being fun. I I like every character in here. I everything from the couple guys that are helping run the companies and get things going and the techies and 
the techie girl wanting to be a danger girl and you see her trying to do things to get herself more in the picture and see if she can go out on special missions and stuff like that. It's just it thought it was all very fun and enjoyable. I liked it. And so if you like that spy thriller style, I'd say check them out. It's Danger Girl Comics. Uh, they were done by Cliffhanger back in the day. I don't know if they're still going. I don't know if they went much beyond what I have. I'm hoping to see more storylines. And if you get into that spy thriller style novels, and 007 and stuff like that, Remo Williams, all those, they go on and on and on and on. So check those out. They're fun. And we will get back to you with some multiple sclerosis stuff in a second. Okay, back with the MS stuff. Uh, with the COVID and everything, we got introduced to virtual appointments with our doctors. And it actually makes things a lot easier. A lot less stress, not having to run out to appointments and stuff. You can get them done quick. Do them over your phone or whatever. So, Telehealth has offered solutions for people who face challenges when scheduling healthcare visits. Because telehealth visits were so few before the COVID-19 pandemic, data about their effectiveness is scarce, particularly among people with MS. Still, what limited data exists is promising. Providers say they've noticed several benefits most significant of which is increased access to care. Makes makes a lot of sense for patients, especially patients who have mobility issues or who live far away from their appointments. A lot less stressful. And there's so much stuff you can do virtually in an appointment that you don't need to do. But if you have to do your physical items, then, yeah, you want to get in there for a physical appointment. But this could save a lot of time and hassles and help with answering questions instead of running into an emergency room if you don't have to. It's more than convenience. Some patients can't afford time off work, not to mention transportation and parking costs. Others are easily fatigued and have difficulty finding transportation. Others live in areas that are prone to extreme weather, where driving on any given day might be dangerous. Faced with many obstacles, some people with MS will opt to skip healthcare appointments altogether, forfeiting the positive health outcomes routine care might otherwise yield. This is especially true in Specialties that require frequent visits, while while a person with MS might see a neurologist only once or twice a year, they might see a physical therapist or psychologist once or twice a month, or even weekly. That can compound obstacles and increase the number of missed appointments. Are you feeling able, able and motivated to get dressed and take transportation to come See a doctor, or would it be easier just to turn on your electronic device and talk to your doctor right then there or over a phone or something like that? 
Save a lot of time and hassle. If you're not feeling well, can you make it over to the phone or, or the computer? It's a lot more likely and you'll get the support you need on a day when you probably need it most. Access to care is even more critical for those who live in small cities or rural towns away from MS centers of, of excellence. It's, there are a lot of places I'd like to go talk to MS specialists, but they're far away. And you really want to schedule appointments in a place at the hour, hour and a half, two hours away, and then you got to deal with living in a area where you have four seasons and you may be dealing with wintry weather situations or something that you just don't want it to go out and about that far in. Telehealth could help us address health address health disparities and ensure the best possible outcomes for people in places where there is a relative shortage of MS specialists. Along with its apparent benefits, telehealth has some unexpected advantages. One, for example, is the ability to interact with a person's family member or friend. And if someone's around, I can help describe stuff for you. They're there, and they can also talk to the doctor if need be. Telehealth also offers a unique window into a person's environment and routine, allowing providers to tailor care to real-life circumstances. For all its benefits, telehealth also has its warts. Virtual appointments with the neurologist and other specialists seemed incomplete without the ability of the doctors to observe a person's foot drop or other mobility issues and concerns. In the office, you can very easily check a person's vision, their sensations, their reflexes, strength of different muscle groups. All of those things are harder or impossible to check remotely. Cognitive impairments can be challenging to address as well. Pain management is yet another thorn. I'll say one thing i always i like to mention ideas for people to come up with in the future and right there you could come up with a heart cuff heart monitor cuff so you can get your blood pressures on that cuff you could also have some type of thing connected to it that you can squeeze and it could register your strength your squeezing strength that you're doing you can set your phone stuff up so you, they can see your gait abilities, things like that. Uh, you can probably modify, um, what, are, what are those called, the little walking things that you stick on your body to keep track of your steps and all that. They can probably keep track of your swaying ability and your gait issues somehow with that also. But, when you're sitting in a room with somebody, you see all their nonverbal cues, what they're doing with their hands, how much they're shifting in their seat, whether they are crossing their legs. Body language can be useful in helping a therapist establish an emotional and therapeutic connection with the client. 
and this is missing with a video session. Nevertheless, doctors can accomplish an impressive amount remotely. For example, they can easily review MRI scans and lab results with the telehealth patients, and they can look for signs of cranial nerve damage by examining facial asymmetry, listening for speech slurring, and conducting basic eye movement tests. Test patients' coordination by asking them to put their finger to their nose, perform rapid alternating hand movements, and sometimes slide their heel down their shin. Uh, Fine-tune virtual gait exams by asking patients to prop their phone against the wall on the floor so they can observe their legs while they walk, including heel to toe. Even physical therapy can be effective from home. Patients do strength building exercises with soup cans, milk jugs, and other household items, as well as complementary resistance bands that uh, your uh, physical therapist can mail to your homes if you don't have them. Talking about their symptoms, strategizing ways to help ameliorate them, and answering questions about new treatments or therapies, all of that can be discussed virtually. So that would save a lot of... And it's annoying as hell when you sit there and go out and about in the past year, year, year and a half, you go to an appointment, you sit there, you got to do all this sanitization masking up, going in through these little temperature areas and all that stuff, testing areas. And then you sit in the waiting room for a while, and then you go into your appointment. The doctor sees you for five minutes, and you're back on your way. And it's like, okay, why did I even come in? You didn't even touch me or do anything like that other than my blood pressure. And it's like, why am I getting dressed, coming to here? driving all this way and then you're not even doing any tests on me it's like we could have just talked on the computer or on the phone and had it all done that way but its limitations mean telehealth isn't for all still its benefits means it's definitely for some people with ms who are stable and know their bodies can thrive in virtual environments at the same time, those who are newly diagnosed or coping with newer worsening symptoms might prefer hands-on care. I think we're going to see more regulations and requirements around what makes sense to do virtually and what doesn't. But I still think telehealth is definitely here to stay. Uh, how to prepare for a telehealth visit. A successful telehealth visit is a excuse me, is as dependent on the patient as it is on the provider. Here are some healthcare professionals' tips for preparing. Check your internet connection. Most critical thing in telehealth is reliable internet connection. Make sure other programs on your computer are closed. Re-up bandwidth by exiting unused programs. And it's also annoying if all of a sudden something pops up and takes over your screen. Make sure other programs on your computer are closed. Oh, I just said that. I don't have MS brain at all. Do a technology test run. Different healthcare providers use different platforms for telehealth. 
some may use consumer platforms like Zoom or FaceTime, while others may use proprietary solutions. Likewise, some may allow you to connect via your smartphone, while others might require a computer. Your provider uses Zoom. Try doing a Zoom call with a friend or family member beforehand to ensure you're familiar with the technology and don't waste precious appointment time learning it. If you're not comfortable with technology, it's a good idea to have available someone who is. Uh, they, they run very smoothly nowadays, but I've done them. All I do is Zoom podcasting we also i've also done appointment virtual appointments by zoom and i've also done them through us like a third hand company the actual healthcare providers mainframe that they did it through that one ran just as smoothly so it's if you can test them out which they usually do send you a pre-test link and stuff like that if you want to try some things and make sure your connection's going good and a couple of them i did made me go through a connection test to make sure i had a decent internet connection before they'd set up the appointment so make sure you're visible when you do your test run be sure to check your camera angle your provider may want to see your full body not just your face so learn ahead of time to position your phone or computer appropriately be mindful of lighting if you do your telehealth visit in front of a bright window with a lot of glare or a dim room with a little light your provider won't be able to see you adequately uh, you can also see yourself with a lot of these visits you'll see the picture with you and the picture with the doctor or you can just separate it to just individual pictures but when you see yourself sometimes you can notice things that are putting off glare and stuff like that and you can fix them or if you just look at yourself on screen before the appointment starts you can get yourself an idea of what it, what it's going to look like for them to see you throughout there throughout the uh, visit create a safe private well-lit and quiet space if your telehealth visit will have a physical component if you're doing virtual rehab for example or even a virtual neurological exam. Ensure that you can do it safely in your home or office or wherever you're conducting your telehealth visit. If you're at risk of falling from balance issues, for example, it's a good idea to have a chair or walker available to lean on and to have someone nearby who can help you if needed and make sure that there's a not a bunch of crap in your way and make sure the furniture is moved so you got enough room to do any type of movement that you need to. Provide your location and phone number to the provider. Set goals. Finally, you should prepare not only your space, but also your plan. It's easy to get lost in a teleconference by distractions when you're connecting from home. So it's a good idea for us patients and caregivers to write down essential objectives and questions ahead of time. So you're not sitting there forgetting things that you wanted to say and important things you wanted to talk about. Well, adding this one with uh, another recipe. Got the kitchen sink salad from Jade Kaufman. Instructions, get out as many big plates as you have people eating. 
Put a loaf of garlic bread in the oven. Open your refrigerator. Find and assemble. <laughs> all kinds of lettuce and leafy greens. All kinds of meat. Like beans, tempeh, or tofu work too if you're, you got certain restrictions. All kinds of cheese. Avocado or nuts can provide healthy fats to replace them. All kinds of veggies. Fruit to line the outside of the plate and be munched while you have the salad. So apple slices or strawberries cut nicely so they don't roll off the plate. And anything hanging out that sounds good like water, chestnuts, sun-dried tomatoes, anything yummy. Divide it among the plates you got out and hand everyone their favorite, preferably low-fat or fat-free salad dressing and peas. Don't forget the loaf of garlic bread in the oven. Or And please don't forget the loaf of garlic bread in the oven. I don't know why I said peas. But, yeah, and some hacks, different cooking hacks. This works for everything but carbonated drinks. Make ice cubes of the drinks you often have. Then, when you need to cool your drink, you're not diluting it with water. These little orange juice cubes or grape juice cubes or whatever you're drinking. When you have the energy to cook, the important part is cooking enough for the freezer so you don't have to cook every night. And that means preserving what you cook. Make those extras. Make the big pans. Don't be afraid to, to do that. And another handy thing is the slow cooker. I did a big batch of chili yesterday. Ended up with three extra tubs of chili after we were done cooking and eating it for dinner. But use a slow cooker, which simplifies your meal prep and serving as well. Just toss it all in there and set it and forget it. Base the recipes on five main ingredients. Include a healthy protein, complex carbohydrates, vegetables, seasonings and use extra virgin olive oil for the fat needed for the protein protein you can use tofu which takes on the flavors of whatever you're cooking a small amount of turkey or frozen turkey balls chicken pre-cooked or out of a can if you're wanting a fast start or raw chicken when you have time to let it cook on low for like eight hours or something Iced low-fat cheese, uh, legumes for both protein as well as fiber can be good. The addition of pre-cooked pasta or grains or various types of potatoes or other complex carbs is entirely up to you, or you can add them fresh if you're cooking longer periods. Add a lot of veggies. If you would like, add a can of diced tomatoes. That's always good with a lot of meals. A variety of spices can be used. Basil, turmeric, ginger, garlic, and onion. There's so many different flavors you can play around with. Uh, always add some liquid to the crock and some broth or water or something to keep 
keep moisture in there so it doesn't dry it out and burn it all to the bottom. The crock content can be cooked on low or high depending on your time frame for serving it. And you've got the basic thought of it is you want to cook it faster, do four hours on high, see where it's at. When you cook it slower, cook it seven, well, six to eight hours on low. See where where it's at when you get home from work or whatever. Yeah, enjoy those and be good to yourself. Be good to others. Keep your shot a monster. Take care of yourselves, and we will get back to you again soon.